I found a website called mrbreakfast.com that documented all of the different kinds of cereal that exist. You know, in the course of doing my Guide to the Unknown research for our cool show. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week, nom nom, we're talking about scary food. What are we calling this? I called it freaky food or something like that in my notes. <laughs> freaky food, that works. Yeah, terrifying yes. treats. <laughs> Ooh, okay, there we go. So we are using some alliteration to talk about foods use in horror movies and also horror-themed foods in the real world, a la Booberry. Yeah, so once again, we're continuing our ongoing theme in these trying times of sticking to topics that are as ridiculous as humanly possible. Last week wasn't ridiculous per se, but I know that a lot of people find true crime weirdly comforting. So we felt like that was still kind of in keeping with our comfort food wink yeah. stretch of shows during this time. Yeah, because uh, if you're not familiar with Guide to the Unknown, uh, this is what we call a comedy podcast about horror. Chris and I are a brother and sister team. We release a new episode of the show every Friday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. You can watch a video version on youtube.com slash talkbomb where you can actually see us talking to each other. Um, you can follow us on Stitcher, Spotify. You can follow the entire show on social media by following at GTTUPod to keep up to date with when new episodes are coming out. Also, right. if you're listening to this uh, as it releases, there is a brand new bonus episode that just came out on Patreon.com slash GTTUPod where Kristen and I talked about our horror backgrounds. What were the things in our childhood that got us interested in horror. So we talk a little bit about movies. We talk a lot about sort of the spooky place where we grew up. Um, and so it sort of gives you a peek behind the curtain and a better, I don't know, uh, understanding of who we are and where we came from. That's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah. you can, if you don't already back us on Patreon, you can listen to that show by once again going to patreon.com slash pod. If you back us on the Netherworld Warrior level, which starts at $4 a month, you're going to get access to that show and a dozen plus more bonus shows that are only available on our Patreon. That's right. We also want to mention that we have merch now available that has our logo on it. So if you go to tpublic.com slash user slash GTTU pod, you can pick up shirts of all sorts. You can pick up buttons and pins, magnets, mugs, even pillows that have the Guides the Unknown logo on them. And I wanted to mention that this month we're donating all of our proceeds from the merch. So it's we only get a portion. Um, it's really a dollar or two per shirt and even less for other items. Everything that we make from the merch, we're going to be donating to a nonprofit called Dine One One that works in major cities to bring take out food from restaurants to the break rooms of hospital workers. So it both supports restaurants and lets people who are doing work on the front lines in hospitals have really nice meals on the short breaks that they have. So we already today donated last month's merch proceeds. Like I said, it's only a dollar two per item. So what we donated today was forty six twenty five. And anything else that we make for next month is also going to go to Dine One One. And if you want more info about them, you can go to Dine One One. That's the numbers one one dot org. And um, yeah, you could 
basically you'll be donating money to a good cause while getting something at the same time besides the sense of satisfaction. Yeah. So it might be kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was a great idea when Kristen brought it up and uh, a real no-brainer, especially in times that we know are hard for a lot of people and people who work in hospitals, uh, we need them. We have a, Kristen and I have a real soft spot for them in particular. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it would just be great. So that's, uh, you can do that by uh, getting our stuff again on tpublic.com slash user slash GTTU pod. That's right. Um, All right, William. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Kick okay. it off. So I, the first thing that I thought of, we, we divided the sort of topic this week into real life horror-themed food and horror-themed stuff that's munchy from movies and pop culture. So I've got the real-life stuff, and the thing that instantly came to mind, um, the thing that popped into my head instantly was Ecto Cooler. which was Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that at all. I forgot that that existed. Hell, yeah. It was the uh, – that's the Ghostbusters-branded High C, which – I I drank as a kid growing up, and I know that a lot of people like are like very nostalgic for it. But it has sort of been discontinued for a long time. We drank a ton of Ecto Cooler. I'm surprised that that didn't spring immediately to mind. Right? Yeah. yeah so I think that was part of the Sips brand, right? Sips. 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 Hi C. No. Oh, hi C. Okay. You know what? Sick. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Those juice boxes? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Those are crap. Hit me with the high C any day. <laughs> um, so the Ecto Cooler Ghostbusters High C uh, came out in 1989. It was for Ghostbusters 2. It was like marketing materials for Ghostbusters 2. But it was so popular that it lived on until 1997. This means that it outlived the real Ghostbusters cartoon show. It was basically its own thing. I distinctly remember seeing Slimer on juice boxes like all my childhood, basically. Oh, yeah. Nevertheless, it persisted. Yeah. But I think that uh, in 1997, technically Ecto Cooler stopped existing. But it must have only been because they maybe they didn't want to carry the Ghostbusters logo anymore. You know, mm-hmm. there was no new, new Ghostbusters stuff, so why the hell do we have Slimer on our things? Or, you know, maybe Paramount Pictures or whoever would make this decision was like, hey, you can't have our characters on your your juice. I don't know. But either way, of reasons. Uh, right after 1997, the product was renamed Shoutin' Orange Tanger Green. Okay, that was that kind of answers my question because I was going to ask you what the flavor of Ecto Cooler was. Yeah, it was citrus. It's like okay. a citrus tangerine kind of thing. That makes sense. I'm a big fan of citrus. I know. It's wonderful. And mm-hmm. Slimer was replaced, but they kept all the color schemes and stuff, including goopy green stuff. And so Slimer That's was weird. replaced on the packaging by a blobby slop mouth, a green ooze mouth. For their, Does it look like Slimer, basically, or it's just a mouth, you're saying? It's just a mouth. It's almost like the uh, the Rocky Horror lips shouting, Okay, you know, uh, but so, all green. Green teeth, green tongue, green lips, green everything. Not even like lipstick green, like literally as if Slimer, you know, shape-shifted into a pair of lips. So if for some reason you were new to 
the high sea oeuvre and you hadn't had ecto cooler and you're just looking at these things right. you're just like why does this citrus drink have a disgusting mouth on it? Correct. But without a Weird. doubt, if you were aware of what was going on, <laughs> it must have been that they were like, well, you know what? Actually, now that I say it, this must have been the case. I bet whoever owned the merchandising rights to Ghostbusters pulled it. And then High C was like, well, no, no, no. That's like one of our best-selling products. We've got to keep it looking the same. We've got to make something. So that if people only see it in their peripheral vision, they don't even realize that anything is different at all. <laughs> That's definitely what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, it stayed that way. Uh, Shouting orange tanger green with goo lips until 2007-ish. Somewhere in there, it stopped even being called Shouting orange tangerine. And then it was just known as um, citrus tangerine, something like mm -hmm. that. Um, but it died in 2007 altogether. Completely removed from market until... And this was very exciting. 2016, the new Ghostbusters movie, uh, the all-female reboot, the very controversial 2016 Ghostbusters brought back Ecto Cooler. It was in the stores. Oh. It was being sold online by people who were obsessively collecting it and trying to flip it. It was in my mouth, in the theater. I got an Ecto Cooler cocktail Oh. When we watched Ghostbusters 2016 in theaters, it was very exciting. Allie and I bought a pack of Ecto Cooler because we knew it was going to go away again, and it did. It's gone again. Uh, and we uh, slowly sipped on it <laughs> until we finally heard the, the last pathetic gurgles of our <laughs> straw at the bottom of that paper cup. <laughs> um, the death knell. The death knell of any juice box. Yeah. That little... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pathetic final slurp. <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> it is the worst. But uh, yeah, no, I, that's the end of Ecto Cooler, really. Except that Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, which right. unfortunately has been pushed mm -hmm. uh, to later. I, I actually think it's being pushed like a year. It's it is. It's it, uh, March 2021 now. Yeah, but hopefully that will give them time to make sure that they're also bringing back the Ecto Cooler. I bet they're using this time to stock up on as much Ecto Cooler as they can for the big push in March 2021. I bet that there are people who, like under quarantine, are making sure that they've got as much Ecto Cooler as they can, or they're like, "Thank God I stocked up on all that Ecto Cooler four years there's, ago." You know, there's someone who has stocked up on everything. So. Truly, that really could be. Also, I bet they're selling Ecto Cooler on eBay. I, oh, I'm sure they are. But is there any chance? Would you ever, ever, ever no. drink Ecto Cooler that was purchased on eBay? No. Um, no, I would not. No. I, I have a note about accepting food or drink from strangers in my thing a little bit later. And I feel like that falls underneath that kind of category yeah there's there's no way i understand that like sometimes people collect foodstuffs or buy them on we had a cousin have a cousin who collected um a bunch of star wars stuff and he had yep. like old pepsi bottles and chip bags hey decoration only man <laughs> i about to say more power to you but uh i'm not gonna pop and i'll never stop not well, pop it <laughs> yeah there's no reason to stop because i didn't pop <laughs> uh, one other fun fact about uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife coming out next year. It is being helmed by the son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the first two Ghostbusters movies, right. Jason Reitman. Now, IMDb trivia about Jason Reitman. Jason Reitman was a fan of Earthbreak. That show that I produced. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. That that's I right. He tweeted about it. Produced, worked on some of the scripts, and uh, you know, handled the Tribeca premiere. That Jason Reitman, who directed the new Ghostbusters, is a fan of one of All my right, shows. All right, Joe Hollywood. Hey, 
How'd you know my nickname? <laughs> Moving because on. Because I'm the one who made it up. Oh, that makes sense. Actually, you know what? Uh, bookmark these things for after the, the show ends. In these trying times, what could be better? Everybody go listen to Blackwood, Earthbreak, and The Long Hallway. If you have never listened to those before, those are the audio dramas that uh, I have worked on myself. I directed The Long Hallway, wrote a few, acted in a few, uh, directed them all. Uh, Earthbreak, I'm one of the producers of. Um, uh, I worked on all the scripts for that with Morgan Ormond, who created the show and wrote everything and is an amazing writer. And Blackwood, I wrote. Um, go listen to those things. Anyway, let's move on. When you said, okay, bookmark this for later, I thought you were being like, look at Jason Reitman's Twitter, find the one where he said that he liked Earthbreak, bookmark it for later, check it out. You're going to want to read this tweet. It's going to take you all night. <laughs> No, um, <laughs> that's why if you're watching video or anything, I started to make a face because I was like, what? Yeah, okay, what are you talking gotcha. about? Um, all right, let's get to the big guns. Why should we hold off any longer? General Mills monster cereal. See, this is what I automatically thought of when mm. we came up with this topic. Booberry, Frankenberry, and I'm sure there are others. Oh, yeah, Count Chocula. Yep. Do you know the other two? There what are two think? more. Booberry, Frankberry, Count Chocula. Lesser um, known. There's almost nothing no. to even say about them. They were so, you know, seldom seen. No, go ahead. There is Fruit Brute. Okay. Oh, yeah, I've seen him. <laughs> and Fruity Yummy Mummy. I knew there was a mummy thing. Did I just say that out loud or was it in my head? I knew it. Uh, none, neither of those last two, Fruit Brute or Yummy Mummy, were on store shelves for very long. They were basically <laughs> introduced and pulled pretty quickly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, these cereals, the monster cereals, were introduced in 1971. Uh, the original two were Count Chocula and Frankenberry. They are the fathers of the uh, cereal monsters. In 73, they added Booberry. 74, they added Fruit Brute, the werewolf. Uh, that was discontinued eight years later in 1982. 1987, they added Fruity Yummy Mummy, which was originally just called Yummy Mummy. And then I think it was selling poorly and they were like, nobody knows what this is. <laughs> uh, fruity <laughs> Yummy Mummy. <laughs> to be specific. Yeah. That was discontinued after five years. Um, in 2010, they only became seasonal. So they're not always on the store shelves, but they do appear in, in the uh, autumn and around Halloween. Um, and this is a weird one. In 2014, General Mills enlisted the help of DC Comics to help create designs of the cereal in time for Halloween. Total huh. redesigns, although to say total is kind of a misnomer. They got comic book artists like Jim Lee to redraw uh, Booberry, Frankenberry, and Count Chocula and sort of update the designs and make them more visually interesting. They, they just kind of look the same, but like really like high quality art huh? in a way. Like the, the, the cartoon style is not even particularly different. They look like comic book characters now, right, but, but right. they still sell cereal. So you know that they're weird. I have a, I have a sort of like a, a fascination with cereal mascots um, uh -huh. because technically they're, they're really, what's the difference between, you know, the uh, Honey Nut Cheerios Bumblebee. And any of the other, like, kind of janky animation I watched growing up, you know? I used to watch tons of the old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Oh, yeah. You know, and all of those were pretty notorious for reusing bits and pieces of animation or scrolling the same background as the characters mm -hmm. are running down a hallway, things like that. And then I would watch the the cartoon characters that were selling me cereal and think, like, 
Why aren't they? I honestly had this thought as a child. Why don't these characters have personalities and stories? What's the difference? <laughs> you're, you're like, the quality is just as high. Why aren't we fleshing this out? I'm not kidding. I, 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 I remember thinking like, well, why, why is the Smacks frog? What is that? Why, why not use either a real character from TV, which are better, or like create, like explain how the Smacks frog came from humble beginnings in the, in the swamp. Well, I mean, your and, wish and started to love puffed rice. <laughs> your wish kind of came true because the California Raisins had a TV show oh or at least God. like a special or something. You're right about that. I wonder where so, that started. So somebody thought of the same thing. The California Raisins are, are monsters of a type, huh? <laughs> They're little anthropomorphized, monstrous, say- shrunken. Are they zombies because raisins used to be grapes? Let me think. Are they zombies? They kind of are, or are they like mummified? Mm, yeah, exactly. In a way, like yeah. they're they're not wrapped in anything except for a little bit of sugar, true, and some flakes. I think that they wear those sunglasses because of their hollowed out eye sockets, because they're technically the Walking Dead. Yeah, they're all dried out and everything, desiccated. Yes, they're kind of mummies, shambling grape corpses. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that I played a California raisin in uh, some sort of variety show? In St. Louis, and did vaguely, a little dance very, very to herd it through the grapevine. Wow. Do you remember that? Yeah, that really brings me back. That's bizarre. <laughs> That's bizarre. I think that you were, um, they, they really applauded your performance in uh, Variety. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's huge. You know what? Uh, uh, I wish I could remember the phrase that you used. Oh, bookmark this. Bookmark mm. it. Um, check out the review of me as a California raisin in Variety. I performed and choreographed that dance. Jason Reitman um, loved Kristen's performance as a California raisin. Right. So bookmark it. Go back to it. Then come back here. Jason Manzukas tweeted his enthusiastic approval of Kristen's portrayal. <laughs> if only. Yeah. Um, the TV commercials for, uh, Frankenberry and Count Chocula usually have the main monsters arguing with each other in a real, you know, duck season, rabbit season kind of debate, um, over whose cereal is better. Count Chocula would be like, Count Chocula is better. He's very much based on Bela Lugosi. Frankenberry was like, almost like an upper class Frasier type. Really? He, yeah, further than Fraser. I think I straight up think he was maybe British. Actually, he rolled his R's and was very proper. And uh, so he'd be like, Frankenberry is better. And the two of them I would, would think argue that, that would be Count Chocula. All right? Yeah. I'm but, surprised. Yeah. I think he'd be more of a fancy boy. Fancy boy. You're right. But yeah, no, he was a he was a working class chocolate vampire. Hmm. Um, but so then you know, as they're arguing about whose cereal is better, something else would happen, like a car would backfire and it would scare them. <laughs> and that would be the end of the commercial. So they're they, monsters who were scared easily. Exactly. Yeah. It's a shtick. By the time they introduced Booberry, all the commercials were Count Chocula and Frankenberry fighting with each other, and then Booberry shows up to share his blueberry flavored cereal, and they're afraid of him. And Booberry oh. is this like little teeny ghost guy. <laughs> so, oh. Like for them to be afraid of him was ridiculous. So William, it sounds like they really gave you what you were craving. And I'm not just talking about cereal. You yeah. saw mascots for cereal and you want a more fleshed out story around who they were. I did. It sounds like these commercials really had a storyline and you got a sense of the personalities of um, Frank and Barry and Count Chocula. You're a thousand percent right. I really enjoyed it. I want That was my binge watching. You know, people are on yeah. Quibi. I just uh, found a, a YouTube playlist with a bunch of old Frank and Barry commercials. <laughs> I watched that. 
<laughs> Who needs Netflix when he got Count Chocula commercials? That's right. Um, I'm taking it all the way to Tinseltown. So <laughs> a little bit more about our, our favorite flavored friends. Count Chocula, according to the New York Post, who wrote an article that I'll be referencing soon, uh, they referred to Count Chocula as a cartoon vampire who preferred chocolate to blood. And it never <laughs> to refer to Count Chocula and blood at all in the same sentence is very strange. Yes, I'm very surprised they even brought blood into the picture. Yes, of course, a vampire drinks blood. But Count like, do we Chocula, want to talk about that? Yeah, in just, connection with our chocolatey breakfast cereal for children. It's just weird. I was hoping that I would find like full wikis for these characters where they have like deep backgrounds and lore you know we covered i think when we did our scary clowns episode i talked about uh ronald mcdonald who there were a bunch of like kids videos about and he lived in a cartoon world with his cartoon friend characters and so you could like see the grimace and ronald mcdonald go on an adventure and so there was a full wiki of a background about ronald mcdonald i wanted that here but i didn't get it i only got these weird bits and pieces i don't know the, the source of where they really came from. I also Weird. have information here. Um, Count Chocula's full name is Count Alfred Chocula. Where the did Alfred that... come from? When did they add that and why? I wonder if there was a commercial where Frankenberry was like, Alfred or something. Yeah. As we... a, and it's a joke for yeah. the people at home. They're like, Chocula's name is Alfred? Please stop being afraid of me. I want to be yeah. a friend, Alfred. <laughs> like a very heartwarming commercial. <laughs> Um, he was originally like a short little vampire who wears a brown suit and a brown cape. He's a very brown boy. He's chocolatey. Over time, he he was uh, lengthened to turn into a far lankier fellow. Um, (laughs) and he's got something of a rivalry, of course, as I mentioned with Frankenberry. So on to Frankenberry. Um, Frankenberry was strawberry flavored cereal. So much like Count Chocula being chocolate flavored and wearing all brown, Frankenberry is strawberry flavored and he is all pink. His skin is pink. He wears a pink suit. (laughs) I don't know what's going on there. Now, there's a little bit of a scandal surrounding the Frankenberry and people who are taking it all the way to the old origins of these cereals might have uh, fallen under a sort of illness or spell of Frankenberry. Because in February 1972, quote, Frankenberry cereal included an indigestible pigment that turned some children's feces pink, a symptom sometimes referred to as Frankenberry stool. Right. Now, now when I was – so I proposed this topic. And before I brought it to the table, I was like, let me make sure there's even anything out there for us to draw from. Kristen, don't. As, don't. Come on. Let's not – Big it up. You weren't looking for horror topics. You were researching different cool kinds of stool, and you saw them mention a monster and figured you could retrofit it into an episode of Guide to the Unknown. <laughs> we all know the truth. There's no need to hide. I, I wouldn't put it past me. But anyway, when I saw that sentence, I was like, done. That's it. Okay, great. This is this week's topic. Yep. But there's no going back now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then here's another quote, because here's why I have that New York Post article. I was trying to research the Frankenberry stool to see, like, would there be, like, some sort of, like, a, a sheriff's statement issued at the time or some sort of public or warning, by, <laughs> you know? By research, did you mean you, you took to eBay and you broke your one rule about not <laughs> eating or drinking things from eBay to give yourself February Frankenberry 1972 stool? Frankenberry <laughs> box. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Give me good Using stuff. bots. Yahtzee. To try, to... <laughs> try to win. Yeah. 
I bet that does go for a lot, though, right? If there are those like disgusting waterlogged boxes from February 1972, you know somebody is keeping that in like a climate-controlled safe. I don't know. Does anybody care enough about the specific Frankenberry stool cereal boxes that that's happening? I'll get into it later, but there are some people who take their obsession to various extremes. Um, All right. You know what? Let me get out of your hair. Go ahead. Thank you. So this New York Post article was a somewhat recent article talking about the monster cereal as a concept overall. But they did have a little blurb that got into the Frankenberry stool phenomenon where children's feces turned pink. Um, saying, good luck finding a 10-year-old who sees that as a bad thing. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what kind of editorializing is that? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I don't feel like 10-year-olds would particularly be stoked about that. I mean, I guess they think it was a little funny as long as they didn't think that they died. But it's not like a known thing that 10-year-olds love colored stool or exactly. something. Exactly. I still think it would be really, really weird. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's, quite frankly, this says more about journalist Brian Nemitz from the New York Post than anything else. I wonder if he was embarrassed. I wonder if anybody like called him out on that. It's like, why would you think that anybody would be excited about that? Yeah, he like <laughs> pissed off like the, the editor of yeah. the New York Post. And so they're like, all right, You've got the monster cereal article then, and I want a stool mention in there. No, come on. Although, Will, I did just realize it's a little bit different when it's you yourself, but I just remembered that our dad told us that he had a dog who ate a box of crayons. Do you mm. remember this? Yeah. And that the crayon, that the crayon, that the dog pooped colors, and we loved that. We thought it was hysterical. We used to make him tell that story all the time. Right. So maybe Brian Nimitz or whatever his name is isn't that far off base. Maybe not. You know what? I now think, that I think about Brian Nimitz. Yeah. To be fair. Good on you. Good luck yeah. finding a ten-year-old who sees that as a bad thing. That's how the article <laughs> ends, by the way. That's like one of the final. <laughs> <laughs> like proclamations. Um, That's weird. It's, it's very strange. Um, so Frankenberry uh, seems to be a sort of steampunk inspired character. He's wearing little goggles that have welded bolts all around them. Um, he's got a steam whistle coming out one side of his head and a steam gauge on the other. So hmm. literally he maybe is powered by steam rather than, you know, electricity, like real uh, Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I found a little more information about these characters from superheroes.fandom.com, which I think is a wiki that's all about, you know, superheroes primarily, uh, which is why I think they phrased this stat this way. Frankenberry displays superhuman strength and durability. <laughs> I, don't know. I think, you know, that's like a copy and paste from Superman's entry, but, you know, I guess they needed to fill that category on the Frankenberry wiki page. Did you say durability? Yeah. <laughs> Superhuman strength and durability. This is like a way you would subs uh, describe a person. That reminds me <laughs> of um, the descriptions of creepypasta villains that I found when I researched right. uh, Jeff the Serial. What's that guy's name? Jeff the Killer? Jeff yeah, something like that. Yeah, Jeff the Killer. Yeah, something like that. Um, where it was like powers, drinking, partying yeah talking back or whatever and it was like what kinds of powers are these yes that's exactly what it was it was one of those like little summary sections where it just yeah. gave like quick bites about his personality right um all right let's move on to boo berry so once again boo berry came third he's a little teeny ghost wearing a pork pie hat and a bow tie uh <laughs> for his blueberry flavored cereal he is based on i did not know this uh, i don't know why i would have known this <laughs> actually he's based on peter laurie do you know who peter laurie <laughs> okay. is 
Yeah, <laughs> that's he's very an old timey actor who sounded very scary. He was like <laughs> almost um, typecast as mad scientists and murderers and killers. He had like very bulging eyes and a very his voice was parodied in a million kids' cartoons. Yeah, there's nothing kids love more than Peter Lorre on site. That's such a weird thing to make a mascot for a children's serial. I think it was more the fact that he was associated with horror, and so was Booberry. I know, but still. I mean, this, these are children's sugary cereals. It's right. just strange. It's also a weird design for Booberry. He's got, like, very heavy eyelids that make him look... <laughs> like he's like sedated or yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's like uh I don't know, he's he's riding some sort of high. <laughs> Maybe a sugar <laughs> high. Maybe a sugar crash. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like he needs to sleep. Um Maybe he needs a spoonful. Here's also from the uh the superheroes.fandom.com like wiki, like two two um I guess like too dis too descriptive uh uh of, of Booberry. Here's what they say. Booberry is a ghost with the traditional abilities associated with spirits. He can be corporeal or solid, invisible or visible. He uses rattling chains to cause a visceral effect in those observing him. By the way, uh, what they're not saying is those observing him are Count Chocula and Frankenberry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a lofty description of Booberry. On the superheroes, but to say this is it's very like literary kind of the description. And yeah, they also say base of operations castle because <laughs> there's a castle in one of the commercials. The internet's great. His base of operations, where Boo base of operations, Booberry carries out all his his schemes like like selling cereal. <laughs> so I found this. I found the following. Um, we were talking about people who, you know, how could anybody be so obsessed with Frankenberry? Well, there is somebody who's super obsessed with, uh, Boo Berry and his name is Roger Barr and he has been featured on tons of things. He's been on segments from the food channel. He's been in like news articles and they did a segment on, on, on him on a show called totally obsessed, uh, hosted by Fred Willard on VH1. Do you oh. remember this show? I do. It was about like super fans. Yes, I totally remember that. And so they did a segment on Roger Barr, who is a Booberry fanatic. Uh, first had the cereal when he was seven years old and says that he eats at least one bowl per day every day wow. since he was seven. So that's like so, thousands of bowls of Booberry. So how is he... Did he address how he got his stockpile of Booberry? They show him going to the store and buying tons and tons and tons of boxes. Here are some quotes from Roger Barr. Um, anybody who finds Booberry disgusting without trying it, they're just talking out of their ass. Um, <laughs> Count Chocula and Frankenberry, they think they're so great. They're, they're always talking, acting just like complete asses. <laughs> So far, the final word. Did of, you watch the clip of this? Oh, hell yeah, I did. <laughs> so I'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, so What's far, every sentence like? he says ends in the word ass. Exactly. What's this guy like? Well, this like, segment came from around 2004, maybe. Somewhere around there. Uh, and I think he's undeniably, undeniably having fun with this entire thing. I, mm -hmm. I, I almost thought that maybe he made up an obsession just to get on the show. He yeah. does. Here's the thing. He has been featured in tons of other things, which indicate um, he genuinely 
is like but a maybe that taught collector. him that you have to razzle dazzle a little bit you have to put a little bit of personality into it i think that that is i think that that is also true he uh ran for a while a website called i-mockery.com he's like a comedic writer and stuff so he's definitely putting on a bit of a performance but he also <laughs> just does collect these things um oh. they said on the segment from totally obsessed that general mills eventually sent him a cease and desist because he kept <laughs> writing songs that were anti-count chocula and anti-frankenberry <laughs> i don't know how true That's that awesome. could possibly be um they show him in a grocery store buying a bunch of count chocula and talk about how um he doesn't like the other two mascots and they show him hiding boxes of count chocula behind other products muttering to himself friggin chocula who needs it <laughs> that's awesome he also hides a box of count that's chocula. really funny it's it was it was pretty funny and he seemed like it was more about like you know, I think that show was probably meant to be like you're laughing at him. I was definitely laughing with him. He seemed like he was having a really good time with us. Oh, yeah. To be doing like, yeah, that sounds like he was intending to be funny. Yeah. He said, I equate. Oh, well, so he's hiding boxes of Count Chocula behind toilet paper. He brought them to other parts of the <laughs> store to hide Count Chocula behind the toilet paper. He said, I equate Count Chocula with crap. So what better place to put it than with toilet paper? <laughs> Sorry How old was this guy? So I think he's I about guess if, if he was. I think he's okay. approximately around our age now. So back yeah. in 2004, you know, right. he's like in his early 20s, something like that, probably. That's so. So wait, if he's around our age, then didn't you say that Booberry came out and went away in like the 70s? Yeah, is, but, is that right? but it's so been must... seasonal for a really long time. So I think it's. Also, you know, yeah, something like that. But it, it must have been around it. Yeah. Oh, Booberry still comes out seasonally now. I think so. Uh, yeah, pretty. Oh, okay. I, I am. I definitely know that recently, um, they made like big pushes to have like Target carry the original designs of all of these cereals from the seventies in the store. So it still is like a pretty current thing. Yeah. Oh, okay, so they even have the fruit scary mummy or whatever. No, fruit brute and fruity yummy mummy. I think maybe occasionally make appearances, but by and large. Yeah, they're they're sort of. I got mixed up. I was thinking that Boo Berry was one of the discontinued ones. Oh gotcha. no no no! Yeah yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, Yummy Mummy, by the way, is a mummy that wears yellow and pink bandages. So like everything is like very sort of like kidified. Yeah. Um. Uh. Another fun fact about uh, Count Chocula is that um at some point in their history, they did a tie-in with the Universal Monsters. So Count Chocula's box had uh, Dracula on it. But the the resolution of the image that I got of Count Chocula turned this medallion thing that he's wearing. Um, mm. It was literally just through the processing of the image, from what I understand. It made it look like a Star of David. And um, oh. they got a lot of hate mail from people suggesting that Dracula was a Jewish monster and that uh, uh, Jewish people are monsters. So, oh, that a little was Count like Chocula controversy. Jewish people? Yep. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh. Now, because once again, you know, like when when you're on, t- you don't <laughs> you know get. It's funny. I'm so- <laughs> sorry to interrupt because we like these monsters and everything. When you said that, um, I mean, this is this isn't good. I thought that it was like Dracula's badass. Oh, and so if he's Jewish, <laughs> maybe like horrible people came out of the woodwork and they were like, no, no, he's not satanic enough, bro. Yeah, right. Okay. Religious. I- He's not a man. I, it didn't occur to me there'd be offensive to be Dracula. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but uh, uh, yeah, that just sort of goes to show that you don't get to a million friends without making a few enemies. Um, right. And along with that, along with being on top, come the copycats. Um, there was a time when, um, uh, well, first of all, there are always like times around the year where Halloween versions of food will come out. 
Um, you know, and it turns out that Kellogg's, a big competitor of General Mills, um, has done things like create haunted Fruit Loops and haunted Rice Krispies and spooky Fruit Loops and freaky Fruit Loops and really? <laughs> just yes, they all. That's I found not been a, on my radar. I found a website called MrBreakfast.com that documented all of the different kinds of cereal that exist. You know, in the course of doing my guide to the unknown research for our cool show. Our like cool trendy show. I who ended up browsing MrBreakfast.com for a good while. <laughs> yeah, but all of the Halloween cereals are typically just like scary Cheerios. <laughs> and they do like the bare like the bare minimum required. It's like it's insane. I stopped writing them after a while because it's just like who cares? It's just like creepy cornflakes. Call it a day. I don't know. It sucks. It sucks. What are they making? Oh my god! What makes scary Cheerios scary? I usually it's that they'll put marshmallows in there that have that are in the shape of like you know bats and eyeballs and ghosts, which marshmallows are already kind of in the shape of ghosts. So, oh, excuse me. Oh, uh, my God. That's so funny to me. There was also, it's just like the laziest crap possible. And you know that Chubby Will was like, Mom, Mom, can I please get spooky Fruit Loops? I gotta have them. Oh, God. I mean, it sounds awesome. I just think it's very funny that you were calling Mr. Breakfast and that it's things like freaky Fruit Loops that are I was so like, let down. I was so yeah. let down. I wanted to find something else that was rad. Yeah, you know, yeah, as yeah. rad as Frankenberry. <laughs> Famously, Will and I love cereal. Love cereal. Famously, Big, so this was bad fan this was of cereal. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, anyway, there also um, is a, a type of cereal that got discontinued, or not even. I don't think it even got to exist. Really, um, it was going to be called Post Ghosties. Oh, this is true, um, and I can only assume it had to do with Count Chocula and stuff. But even on even Kristen, this is how desperate it is. Even Mister Breakfast doesn't know when this cereal was going to be made. All he has to go by are some images of a commercial they almost made with Casper. Um, so someone really buried this thing. Yeah, they really buried that that cereal. They don't want it to be known. But you know what? We're going to do our due diligence and we're going to share the truth. Um, there was a post Ghosties jingle on Mister Breakfast though, which was. It's a honey of a morning, starting it off with post-ghosties. You'll love sweet corn when it's tumbled in, tumbled in honey. Your day's bound to be sunny, starting it off with post-ghosties. Not very scary. What? That's so weird. It feels like either they needed to make the jingle scarier, or just why are they even calling this ghosties? Yeah, why are you bothering? Did they produce something that ended up being semi in the shape of a ghost? So they're like, why don't we call it ghosties? You know, I don't, I have no idea. It's another, you know, listen, I, I don't like to generalize, but cereal people are lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently some of them are, if we're just talking scary Cheerios. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> General Mills over there are working their asses off to yeah. get boo, you know, booberry to the people. But then that's Kellogg? how. Kristen, that's how General Mills rose up the ranks to become general <laughs> in the first to place. To become a general. Worked his ass off. So here's the thing. All right, here's how we're going to wrap up our General Mills conversation on Guide to the Unknown. So. I, when you, you, you said something earlier about General Mills enlisting something. Oh, did I? 
<laughs> yes. You were reading something. They said it. And it was a normal use of the word enlisting. It's what you would say normally for anything, but it struck me funny. There was a general. That's funny. Yeah. Enlisting. Um, so in 2018, General Mills launched a website, workwiththemonsters.com. At the top of this uh, website was an image featuring Frankenberry lying on the floor, looking like he just cleaned his room. Yeah. He's on a pink backdrop, head in his hand, smiling at the camera. And on the left, it says, hello, Hollywood. And he uh, looks like Burt Reynolds in Playgirl. He does. And here is what the website, uh, the message on the website said. We are calling all filmmakers, actors, agents, writers, producers, animators, tastemakers, dealmakers, movers, and shakers. We want to work with you to bring great stories to life. From mythical fables to magical journeys, fairy tales to folk tales, cliffhangers to nail biters, heroic sagas to cosmic battles, binge-worthy dramas to historic epics. Blockbusters to indies, serials to sequels. Together, let's captivate the hearts and minds of teens and adults. This isn't a contest. This isn't a pitch for free ideas. We humbly submit this brief to you, Hollywood. And they were really asking for creatives to pitch to them their ideas for how to evolve the General Mills monster serial mascots into movies and stuff. Is this still available? No, this Ugh. website doesn't exist except on the Wayback Machine. Damn it. But Damn you, it. I know. Kristen, I was kicking myself. Ugh. Kicking myself. I thought maybe this could have been my life's work. <laughs> right. Everything that what I've done would lead to this point. Yeah. Hey, Jason Reitman, tweet about my Frankenberry movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm ready to get my pitches together. Shh. Darn. I know. Darn. <laughs> Darn is right. Um, and so, uh, we're going to leave it, we're going to sort of leave it there, except I thought of one other spooky food thing, Kristen. Okay. You know, it occurred to me as I was digging around trying to find other scary foods, panicking as it was getting closer and closer to showtime, realizing all I had to do was talk about Frankenberry to Count Chocula at Boo Berry and feeling like Look, maybe that you wasn't made it enough. work. Thank you. And I remembered something that I don't think that we ever really talked about. That sort of harkens back to the origins of Guide to the Unknown, but in a very unexpected way. For you see, in the autumn of 2017, there was a contest announced. A contest announced and run by one Mr. Chester Cheeto. That's right. Yes. Cheetos held a contest for people out in the world to make monsters with their little snacks. They release mm -hmm. special Halloween bags of Cheetos in the shapes of bones, skulls, rib cages. Um, they had their flaming hot Cheetos, which are red. They have, you can use their regular Cheetos, their regular orange Cheetos or their white bones. Um, Anything that was a Cheetos product, do you use the puffs even? Mm -hmm. Balls? Yep, that's right. And if they selected your um, invention, your creature, which you would upload to a Cheetos museum and give it a title and give it a name, you could have won $50,000. Now, I don't think Guide to the Unknown existed yet, but it was about to. I yeah, I think you're right, because I think one of the first things that I posted on the Guide to the Unknown Instagram page was about us doing that. Yeah. And so uh, we bought, boy, so many bags of Cheetos. And Loads. Loaded up some horror movies, carved some pumpkins, and made some Cheetos creatures so for those of you watching on youtube.com slash talk bomb you can see them i'm sure we'll also share them on our social media at gttu pod uh for those of you listening we will describe them uh yes. here are some of our cheetos 
creations. Uh, we've got little jack-o'-lantern-looking guys with bugged-out eyes. The stick man from the Blair Witch Project made out of Cheetos. Can you believe it? I think with we lots were, of grease spots around it. Oh, my God. So many grease spots. We, uh, we were watching the Blair Witch Project while making stick man Cheetos. Um, right. Here's uh, watching Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2 while making a little Cheeto creature. Made a chessboard out of Cheetos. A dog that's breathing fire. Uh, <laughs> here's one that I found on Allie's phone, phone earlier, which I think might be a portrait of Michael Richards. Um, <laughs> I think it's Kramer in Cheetos. Maybe form. it looks like he's got big hair like Kramer. Doesn't it look alarmingly like Kramer? Yeah, it really kind of does. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, there's uh, like a weird octopus, some sort of a bunny, bunny, another bug out thing, a jack-o'-lantern. We worked our asses off. And I got to tell you, I don't think that we really uploaded them to the Cheetos oh. Museum. Yes, we did. We, we did? 100% did. I actually, I think that, I don't know how I could access it, but I think that we did even more and that they're not on your guys' phones, that they were on like minor Ryan's phones. You and should check. Yeah. Um, I'll check because we, I 100% uploaded them to the Cheetos Museum. I wanted that money, baby. I know. So I did went I. To, um, I went to Michael's and I got, what kind of paper was that? I can't remember what it's called, but I got us patterned paper for backgrounds so that our pictures could look good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot mm-hmm. about that. But yeah, yeah I, I also found on my phone a few screenshots from the Cheetos Museum because <laughs> I oh, took okay. screenshots of other people's work. <laughs> so here's one called the Inferno Rascal. Um, <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, a little humanoid thing. But the description, mm-hmm. the description was the Inferno Rascal loves fire. Oh. <laughs> Which I think is probably why I copied this image down. Yeah, it's funny. The Medusa Monster. <laughs> Three Cheetos sticking out of the top of a flaming red hot circle Cheetos. The Medusa Monster. Monster cheese snack. Wait. Monster cheese snake snacks on his head. That's the description. <laughs> Some of them are profound in their simplicity. Here's one called, I think this one's my favorite. It's titled Night and Dig. It is like a, a Cheetos stick man. And the description is, the guy is digging in the night. Then the moon turned him into a hot Cheeto. <laughs> <laughs> immediately took a screenshot of night and dig for all i know they won the 50k i hope they did night and dig the guy is digging it. in the night and then the moon turned him into a hot cheeto <laughs> That's amazing. there's good old pile of bones some sort of a uh, conjoined twin double-headed clown monstrosity the pile of bones <laughs> are two brothers who were born together one is often referred to as the devil the other is the angel they never get along these are uploaded like the Cheetos. This is like this is like a a real dissection of like the psyche of people who eat Cheetos. You know? yes. I think a lot of them are children. Probably. This one though is pretty well made. There is a spider web made out of Cheetos in the top left. Then a uh, almost like a black widow spider dangling yeah, from detailed. a thread of silk on the right with um, a red body. Mm-hmm. And the the title of this submission is. The Redback Bone Collector, which is scary. Yeah, that's like they're calling, like that's the name of that kind of spider. Yeah, the description, this eight-legged venomous monster strikes in the night and brings back his next collectible to add to his twisted web of bones. Yeah, that's badass. That's a grown-up. Pretty heavy stuff for the Cheetos contest, but also (laughs) totally rad. Night and dig. Moon comes out. Turned him into a hot Cheeto. 
Anyway, <laughs> that's all I have to say about spooky food Night now. And dig. Night and dig. I remember when um, I was uploading things to the Cheetos Museum and looking at them. I was kind of, some of them were just like that, but some of them I was like, uh oh, there were like three D designs. Oh yeah, I was like, some I don't think I'm getting really that 50k. Good. We've got. I actually we have another image that we made that is too hot for YouTube, which maybe we can share somewhere else. I don't remember. You don't know what I'm talking about? No. Maybe I'll try to find it so we can share. Oh, <laughs> I think I'm remembering. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There was a um, there was an extra doodle in one of our images. Let's just say <laughs> I don't think we uploaded that one. <laughs> I don't think we did either. But there you go. Real life horror foods. Are you scared yet? <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> so now I'm going to bring us to the use of food in horror movies. So fictional life horror foods, and let's transition smoothly by. First, talking about the Fruit Loop cereal in the movie Get Out from okay. 2017. Yeah. So this is from a scene that became kind of iconic where, you know, no spoilers really for Get Out-ish. Um, one of the characters in Get Out is eating Fruit Loops with milk, but she has them separate. She's got a tall glass of milk and a bowl of Fruit Loops, and she's eating Fruit Loop, drinking milk, eating Fruit Loop, drinking milk. And it's just a weird it's weird on suddenly, like, why is this person eating this way? And people ended up thinking that it was intentional symbolism right. because the movie plays, not even plays with its, well, whatever, plays with themes of race. And so people viewed it as being like, oh, this person is keeping the color separate from the whiteness of the milk. Yeah. That's like a symbolic sort of thing. And it turned, and that's cool. It's a cool idea. It's a fascinating interpretation. Yeah. Yes. And it was not intentional. Um, that was an idea that the actress Allison Williams had just because it'd be a weird thing to do. She was like, it'll just be a strange thing to do. Yeah. And um, Jordan Peele, the director and writer and producer, was asked about it later. And he was like, yeah, I think it's awesome that people noticed that, but that was. That wasn't on purpose. That wasn't intentional symbolism. But like, yeah, I'm all about that theory. I love that even more. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it too, that yeah. it wasn't even meant to be that way. Um, Something that it seems like probably was used intentionally is the tea in Get Out. So when the main character is being... So there's a little bit of spoilers for Get Out. I'm not going to go super into it, but I can't talk about this without somewhat right. spoiling stuff. Yeah. And you would you probably kind of know anyway. It seems like it's it was such a huge deal movie, rightly, that it's like almost just in the public consciousness. The main character is hypnotized in the movie, and that's done kind of with tea with a spoon in it as a tool. And it's a silver spoon that somebody is using and swirling around their teacup and tapping it. So almost using that the same way that in a schlocky movie or something that you would use a pendulum or something that brings somebody deeper and deeper. It's like this swish tap, swish tap of this silver spoon yeah. on China. It was cool to use a cup of tea as like later in the movie, it's almost used like a weapon in a sense yeah. that, you it's, know, when this character is doing that, that something bad's about to happen. It's really cool. Right. It's perfect. I love get out. Yeah. So it's cool because first of all, tea is kind of known as something sort of soothing, but it's being used against this guy or, you know, used for ill will. And the thing that does seem to be intentionally symbolic is the fact that it's a silver spoon, like a nice silver spoon that she's using. So there's, you know, that phrase that somebody was born with a silver spoon in their mouth for somebody who was born into privilege. And the family in this movie is like a wealthy kind of white family for all intents and purposes from what we know. Yeah, they they have a silver spoon as we 
you know, mm, yeah. know it that way. Interesting. And so they are using, if we think of a silver spoon as privilege, they're using that privilege against him. So using the silver spoon against him, which symbolizes the privilege and kind of drawing them into or drawing him into their web. That's really cool. I definitely didn't think of that. Neither did I until today. I thought that was really, really neat. Yeah. So moving on to something that's just kind of like a vague theme that I think fits into this sort of thing. The theme of drinking alcohol being a factor mm. in scary movies. I feel like there is a a well-known trope in movies about people having sex and then dying. And like, you know, as long as you don't have sex, you're not going to die. The virgin makes it toward the end. I think that you could look at drinking in somewhat of a similar way. Because like, think about Friday the 13th. The counselors are getting drunk and hooking up instead of watching Jason. And then they are punished for that later on. Oh, yeah. Um, so I feel like it's kind of the same sort of loss of virtue sort of deal. Yes. That also it happens. Is, it, it, in- to, to some extent. Sorry, but like uh, no. that's also sort of the thing that is uh, very iconically pointed out by Randy in Scream. You yes. can never drink or do drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's not just the the sin of it, but it's also the lack of. Uh, I I feel like the representation of the final girl is meant to be purity in all things. Um, but even still, the iconic final girl, Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween, smokes a joint. She smokes a joint in that car with her friend. That's true. I feel like she doesn't smoke too much of the joint, though. Is she she kind of like a hit of the devil's stinky. lettuce? I know jazz cabbage. I saw it. <clears throat> I seen it. But nevertheless, in Halloween, she has friends who are drinking and doing it, Mm, and they both get it. Right. Yeah, that's correct. Michael Myers puts that sheet on his head. He puts the glasses on. You're right about that. And gets her done. Um, That also kind of happens in Halloween H2O. The kids are partying and drinking and being sexually lascivious, and then they end up dying. Oh, Right? Yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah. Okay. Now I want to talk about the book and movie Thinner by Stephen King. Okay. William, have you ever seen Thinner or read Thinner? I think I may have seen bits and pieces of it when I was younger. Yeah. Okay. I never have. I just, the commercial is iconic to me. I curse you, Thinner. The commercial for sure. I definitely saw like commercials and trailers for it. I've avoided it because uh, I didn't I've... like the gross makeup. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, very familiar with it. But I don't think I've seen the full thing. No way. Okay. I knew nothing about it except for I Curse You Thinner and looked it up for today. And the plot of this movie and book is insane. Yeah. It's so weird. So the plot is that there's a man named Billy who hits a woman with his car because his wife is getting amorous with him while he's driving. And so he's distracted. And it turns out that the woman who he hits with his car is part of a family of people with powers. Uh-huh. Um, the woman's father, who was killed, curses the driver thinner. And the driver starts losing massive amounts of weight and becoming intensely malnourished, having a skin condition. And no matter how much he eats, he just keeps on losing weight and he's dying. He's in bad shape. It's a pretty great horror concept. Like I uh, bits and pieces that I remember from it are like, he's a great big fat guy. And so the more that he's yes. losing weight initially, it's like, hey, this is great. The pounds mm-hmm. are just dropping right off. But when it doesn't stop, when it right. goes to that, you know, uh, paranormal extreme, you realize how 
horrible a curse it really is. Right. It's gone wrong. And I read that Stephen King was inspired to write this because his doctors recommended that he lose weight um, because he was like 238 pounds and was like drinking too much or something. So they said he had to lose weight and he resented having to lose weight and have it not be under his own steam. So that's what, you know, created the inspiration for this. But I was like 238. Yeah. That's like nothing. Like I weigh two thirty. I mean, you know. No did he say? Health, did but... he use the phrase "under his own steam" or is that you? I'm not sure. Because steam is what they they drink in Doctor Sleep. That's true. That's true. I'm not totally sure. It's um. I got this information from the Wikipedia page, which will be linked in the show notes. You guys can check and see if yeah. Uncle Stevie said his own steam or if I said his own steam. Uncle Stevie or Aunt Chrissy. I know that mm-hmm, it's a right. phrase, and maybe that's why he ended up using steam in Doctor Sleep because it is like the phrase. But it, it just it just struck me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um. So the deal is okay. So you know. This guy is losing more and more weight. He's he's dying. He's not feeling well. So he goes to see the family and he begs them to reverse the curse, but they refuse. However, the next day, the father of the woman who he killed has softened a little bit and he comes to Billy's house with a pie. So when Billy was visiting that family, he got shot in the hand because they don't like him. They killed a, He killed a member of the family. Yeah. And when the father comes to visit with this pie, the father puts some of Billy's blood from his hand onto the pie, and he tells Billy that the curse will be transferred to someone else if he can get them to eat it. Hmm. The curse can't be destroyed or ended, but it can be transmuted. He immediately eats a piece <laughs> Well, the father urges him to eat a piece of it himself because that will cause him to die. I guess like it eating his own blood and transferring the curse to himself. He'll be like double cursed or something. And the father saying in his eyes, then Billy will die with dignity instead of, you know, just going through this thing long term. He can, he could just drop. That's weird. So Billy is going to feed it to his wife because he sees all this as being her fault because she was getting handsy with him in the car. Whoa. But before he can do that, I guess, I guess like, Maybe he brought it home or whatever. He put it in the fridge. He's like, I'll take care of this later. Before he can do that, his wife and their daughter start digging into this new pie in the fridge. Oh, my God. And so he's like, oh, my God, they're going to die because of this. They're not. I was going to kill the wife anyway, but not my daughter. This isn't on my own terms, under my own steam. And so he decides to dig in and eat the pie, too, so that he can join them in death. Oh, really? That's... Full family yes. death is how that ends? Yes, at least the book. I read the synopsis of the book. Wow, that's crazy. Isn't that a nutty book? That is really nutty. I think it's it speaks to some of what I love about horror being uh, metaphorical for real life things. Like the idea that Stephen King wrote it because he was told to lose weight. And so he transformed that into an extreme horror story I love. Um, yeah. There are elements of it that are also sort of like... Um, there's a, a trope in horror of being like cursed by the old gypsy woman or what That's have you. That's what it is. I wasn't saying that. I know. It's not yeah. right, but but mm-hmm. that is the horror trope, um, right. which was even then uh, also used in a really fun way in the movie Drag Me to Hell by Sam Raimi. I love Drag Me to Hell. I know. I, I, I It's one that I have had an urge to, to rewatch for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's just fun. Honestly, that sort of story. Thinner in particular feels gross to me. 
Same. I, I still have no interest in seeing it or reading this. I feel like there's a lot of talk about him gorging himself on food yes, to try exactly. to yep. gain weight and just like it sounds gross. I also, he's got an extreme skin condition, and the father who cursed him also cursed like a judge, and that judge ends up like having scales yeah. instead of skin. There was some stuff I cut out of it because I was just focusing on the food part. Sure. Yeah, just, but, um, just weird stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. I definitely love a curse story. <laughs> I think curses are. Oh, I love a curse story. Yeah, hell yeah. There's the possibility of reversing it yep. somewhere. And yes. what are you going to have to do to make that happen? Can you make it happen? It all becomes about like scheming and going through the backflips and stuff like that, which I love. Right, exactly. They're like kind of instant set stakes. Yes. And the begging of somebody to please reverse it, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Love a curse. Love it. Okay, so now we're going to move on to something that we talked about in episode 97, an episode that you alerted to earlier about scary clowns. Huh. Will, you brought up the movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Did I? Just now? No, no, no. In episode 97 in that episode. about scary oh, okay. clowns. Yeah. Yeah. And those killer clowns use a lot of food as weapons. They sure do. They, sure they are very food-based. They use cotton candy as a weapon. They basically cocoon and smother people in cotton candy because it's like circusy. And they also use a popcorn gun. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot about the popcorn gun. Yeah, the popcorn itself are like little creatures. Oh, my God. I didn't remember yeah, that. I think so. They're little, like little munching, angry creatures. Oh, God. Yeah. They're that cocooning like- people in cotton candy, which turns them into giant like gummy bear versions of humans and then they mm-hmm. they slurp that up they eat you yucko right oh it's so gross yeah um something that i alluded to a little bit earlier in this episode is that i would not eat food that a random stranger offered to me <laughs> nor drink right. so i wouldn't be slurping up an ectoplasm or what's it called ecto cooler from ebay no Something that I thought of off the top of my head that's not a big deal horror movie moment, but I feel like it's worth mentioning because it obviously sticks out to me for some reason, is that Norman Bates made sandwiches for himself and Marion Crane in Psycho. Yeah, that's right. He's making himself dinner. He's making himself like a bologna sandwich or something while Marion is checking in and he offers her one and to come sit with him in his creepy drawing room with all the taxidermied animals around them oh my god you're so right about that yeah that is great great little sandwich scene right would you ever no no there's also another fantastic food scene with norman bates in uh psycho 3 do you have that by chance oh my god no i don't you know what i'm talking about though it's in the, what is he doing he's I think Is it's making, the, like pancakes or waffles in the kitchen or something. Close, uh, kind of. He's he's in the kitchen and he is uh, uh, doing taxidermy on a dead bird. And he's got a, a thing of sawdust here that he's using a spoon to scoop the sawdust into the bird with. Yeah. And then he, you know, he's scooping the sawdust, putting it into the dead bird, and then he takes the same spoon and puts it in a thing of peanut butter and spreads <laughs> it on a cracker and eats it because <laughs> he's he's Norman Bates. That is great. Yeah, actually, it's great. That's awesome. But yeah, so that's kind of he and Marion getting to know each other, which makes it kind of all the more shocking when you see how creepy he is. And then he ultimately kills her because they seem like they were chummy. This is yep. a nice guy. He's they were making chummy. a sandwich. Sandwich was yummy. Mm-hmm. What could go wrong? 
a lot could go wrong and a lot could go wrong with that sandwich you don't know about the expiration dates on the things that this person has true especially seeing what his ingredients are in psycho (laughs) three yeah Yeah, that's right it was probably she's probably like "Ooh, aioli this mayo seems to have a little (laughs) bit of something in it it's actually just taxidermy sawdust what's the crunch (laughs) (laughs) oh you like to put potato chips in your sandwich too I love that. Oh, uh, yeah. Mother would never let me have potato chips. <laughs> mother. Mother. <laughs> um, back to Stephen King. The fortune cookies in the book It and It Chapter 2. Mm. Our friends in the Losers Club go to a Chinese restaurant and Pennywise makes like spiders come out of their fortune cookies. Yeah, that's right. Ew. Like, one's an eyeball. One's like a dead baby bird. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah. Oi. Yeah. All right, ew is all I have to say about that. Oi, oi, oi. If that was oi, their oi, reaction oi. at the moment. Ugh. Oi. Ugh. No, thank you. Um, in the movie Poltergeist, a raw steak starts crawling across the counter, oh, bewitched yeah, by does. the poltergeist. Yes. And also, um, chicken wings start to get all wormy and maggoty because mm-hmm. the poltergeist is just like freaking out their house, basically. Classically, obviously... Silence of the Lambs universe, lousy with food. Yeah, oh my God. We're talking fava beans and anise Chianti. <laughs> we're talking, uh, that's the same thing, where he makes a little noise. F-f-f-f-f-f-f-f. Yeah, we're talking fa-fa-fa-fa-fa. <laughs> we're talking fava beans. We're yeah. talking fa-fa-fa-fa-fa again. <laughs> we're talking about him talking about recipes and stuff, having yeah. an old friend for dinner, wink, wink. And in the TV show, Hannibal, we were talking about sumptuous shots of food yeah. that are actually human legs and stuff. Yeah, I think there was a Hannibal cookbook yes. the, from the show, something like that. Yes, I think you're right. So Hannibal signs the Lambsverse, tons of food all over it. And also almost all of it is awesome. Even things that suck in Science the Lambs universe are still sweet. Right. And their own way. Well, Maybe except for the movie, uh, what is it called? Hannibal. Yeah. When no, 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 no. Eating... Wait, what's, the, what's the one that I like refuse to Hannibal watch? Hannibal Rising. When... Hannibal Rising. That's the one that you never wanted to see or read. Um, no. Nah. I would do it for a show, though. But yeah, no. In Hannibal, he, uh, he cuts Ray Liotta's head open and cooks yes. his brain. Yes, and then, exactly. Then they uh, parody that in Scary Movie 2. And when they cut open Shorty's head, uh, uh, I think it's Marlon Wayans. Uh, uh, Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern show is in there. So that's a pretty good joke. <laughs> that's correct. That's a pretty good joke right there. And then also in Hannibal, doesn't Hannibal give a little kid like a piece of brain next to him on a plane in the end? Yes. He, he says like, I'm afraid you wouldn't like it very much. Yeah. He's eating like a little Tupperware. He brought his own yes. little Tupperwares with Ray Liotta's brain in it on an airplane. Does he end up giving a kid the kid a piece? Uh, I think... I don't know if they show it in the movie. I kind of think he does. Maybe it's implied. You're definitely like worried that he's going to. I kind of think that he does. I feel like I can see it. I feel like maybe you're right. Maybe he did. Yeah, because he's getting some jollies out of it. Yeah. It's like part of the whole thing. Oh, this is jolly good. (laughs) Yeah, jolly good. Yeah. Um, Also, I barely know about this. It's kind of just worth a mention that... In the movie Ghoulies, which we talked about a couple of episodes ago in the Scary Toilet Monsters episode, not only do ghoulies pop out of the toilet, they are popping out of tons of the food on the table in the trailer for the first movie, and it all looks disgusting. Yeah, monster food is usually not the, the, the best. I feel like food in horror movies usually looks gross. Even actually, usually- another 
another Beetlejuice reference when they do um, Deo. Deo. The the little shrimp, the little shrimps grab exactly. their faces, and the puppetry on the shrimp is disgusting. That was next. I I, I don't like that at all. They're yeah. they're little shrimp fingers when yeah. they're doing Deo Hate those because they're trying fingers. to scare the people out of the house, and I don't like the looks of it. Yeah. No. No. Neither do I. Now, before we move to a a segment, the last movie that I want to reference that was just me off the top of my head thinking of food stuff is obviously the Jiffy Pop and Scream. Yes, of course. Drew Barrymore is making Jiffy Pop popcorn on the stove. It's getting bigger and bigger. It adds tension to the scene. Then it explodes. The fire fire alarm goes off. The Jiffy Pop is iconic. The food is a real, like, mechanism. Mm-hmm. in that scene it is uh uh echoing it's a the, timer it's a timer a it's echoing uh the state of affairs in there by right. the time that drew barrymore has been killed the kitchen is nearly on fire because right. of that jiffy pop uh right fantastic yeah it's awesome okay so now my last segment is going to be for movies that i saw on the shelves at blockbuster that i may or may not have seen but when i reference them i think you guys are gonna be like oh yes of course i've seen that cover before yeah okay so the movie the stuff that's moved from the 80s where it turns out that there's like this delicious goo that's kind of like fluff that's underneath the surface of the earth it's either healthy or neutral for you. It's not really a big problem. So a corporation starts packaging it and marketing it, but it turns out that it is parasitic and it turns people into zombies no. and it hollows them out. Oh no. The stuff. <laughs> oh no. Uh, then we have the ginger dead man. Oh my God. Does this ring a bell to you? Of course it does. Yeah. Gary okay. Busey. Yes. Yeah. So the ginger dead man is basically child's play except with cookies. Cookies play. <laughs> Cookies play. (laughs) Gary Busey is a serial killer who's been sentenced to death, and his mom, who's a witch, takes his ashes and bakes them into a cookie, which turns into like a homicidal, sentient gingerbread man that kills people. Terrible. Yes. Then there's a movie called Poultrygeist. Are you aware of this? Yes, I, of course, I'm aware of Poultrygeist. Okay, so this is a trauma movie. That's a horror movie company about a fad, a fast food place that was built over an ancient Indian burial ground where an evil chicken spirit rises and goes ham. Yeah. Chicken, that's a little food. Chicken going ham? Mm-hmm. Whoa, that's too much. Little food doubleheader. Hey, I just looked it up because I was hoping there would be a good answer to this, but I was thinking of um, uh, Ginger Dead Man and Gary Busey playing a serial killer and thinking he probably had a good serial killer name in that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like a good like three name, first, middle, last, right? Serial killer name. Looked it up, Millard Findelmeyer. So wow. I was wrong. I was wrong. Yeah, that's not a good name. Not into it. <laughs> well, you know what is a good name, William? What? Clint Howard. Oh my God! Is it? Who is the star of the movie The Ice Cream Man? The Ice Cream Man very nearly made it to our house several times oh yeah absolutely it's a picture of him on the cover holding an ice cream cone that has a guy's face in it i even think that there was a variant hologram cover where if you looked at it one way it was ice cream if you looked at the other way it was skull i think you're right yeah oh yeah it's a skull not a face because there is a there's a head in an ice cream cone in the movie it's all still from it it's in the show notes But but so the the plot of this movie is that he's a man who was traumatized as a child when a local ice cream man was killed 
And now he's recently been released from a mental institution and he starts his own ice cream business. But the ice cream is people. How? He needs people ingredients for the ice cream. <laughs> what? What ingredients? Heads. I guess your head. At least from the still from the movie that I saw. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that movie is like, yeah, I, I can see it very clearly in my mind's eye. Me too. That's the one that stands out to me the most out of all these blockbuster things that yeah. I remember seeing. There is definitely the ice cream man. I would only want it on VHS. I would not want to see a DVD, a Blu-ray, nothing good quality. It needs to be a VHS, that one. Yeah, that's true. You know what I just thought of? I don't have it on the list, but another thing that you would definitely always see at blockbuster was Jack Frost, the horror movie. Hell yeah. And so on its face, that's not food stuff. But the way that you defeat Jack Frost is with bananas. What? Yes. He Why? like hates bananas. I don't know. He's like allergic to them or something. I don't know what. So you have to like shoot bananas at him or like touch him with bananas. Something that you and Jack Frost have in common. I know. Very, very weird. Um, so That's yeah, it falls bizarre. in the same category. Of these like goofy yeah, <laughs> kinds yeah. of movies. For sure. So the last one I'm going to mention is a movie called Thanks Killing. So this is a movie about a demonic turkey named Turkey, T-U-R-K-I-E, instead of E-Y, who rises from hell every 500 years to kill every white person that he encounters. And this started back at Plymouth Rock. Mm. So I guess he is uh, a, a figure who is getting revenge for colonialism. Yeah, this we tried to watch once. Do you remember? I vaguely remember. Uh, we tried to watch this. And it was it was horrible. Yeah. I, I think that this, if I'm thinking of the correct movie, and I think I am, they uh, <laughs> really tried to echo that um, that vibe of Freddy Krueger or Chucky of, oh, the killer's got a million and one jokes mm-hmm. and doesn't shut up. <laughs> we did try to watch this. I think we got, a, I'm not even like exaggerating. I think we got, maybe 10 minutes in maybe and had you're absolutely right i've i forgot about that but we definitely did yep. now you you've rocketed me back in time it was at your first apartment yeah in our uh cute exactly. town here uh mm-hmm. we gave it a shot we gave it a good old-fashioned college try but neither one of us finished college so we turned no. that yes. sucker off <laughs> so we we, <laughs> we gave it the exact same kind of try yeah exactly but, yeah goodbye yeah um okay and so i i lied there is one more i'm going to mention it might be the most iconic of all the food horror movies attack of the killer tomatoes yeah hell yeah tomatoes turn sentient and they start murdering humans so that they can take over society but luckily they can be controlled by music that is lucky yes i remember watching the cartoon show of this constantly Mm -hmm. Yes, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Remember yeah. nothing else about it. I don't know what the plot of this thing is. If there are main characters, I, do, I have no idea. I only remember that I did a double feature of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and the blob at a sleepover. Um, and I, I don't remember anything about it beyond that. Yeah, the blob is an interesting one, huh? Like I feel like there's like a long cinematic history to the blob, but I don't really know much of anything about it. I don't either. I I genuinely, I have no feelings about it. I don't remember what I thought of it. I I know I didn't think it was scary. Yeah. I don't remember if I liked it, disliked it, whatever. Is it like a catastrophe movie? Like a 2012 where it's like, oh, the world governments are, you know, like are, are almost like weather turned bad kind of a vibe where it's just like, we got to, 
run. It's like dangerous is, here. Like, <laughs> like what is the blob made of? Yeah, or or even just like there's no negotiating with it, right? Like it's a, a featureless, oh. you know? I think so. Yes, it, it can't be stopped. It's just a blob. I mean, they obviously must stop it somehow in the end, but I'm really not sure how. Do you think the blob is like people are like, yeah, the original was great. And then all the remakes. Like, is there any chance it was ever good? No, I mean, I think that these are both like jokey horror movies. I don't think that The Blob is a genuine horror movie, and I don't think Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is either. I think that they're kind of like... Um, they're almost parody parodies yeah exactly right yeah yeah that's interesting yeah i don't know we should cover horror parodies at some point yeah oh my god right? william that's you're right there's so many dead and loving it a thousand of them a thousand of them there are so many that we could do um yeah okay well i guess is is that was that was the the last mention that's it. That's just it. an honorable yeah. mention to attack of the killer tomatoes Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to say a phrase to you in particular as we cap things off that monkeys' brains, while popular in Cantonese cuisine, are not often to be found in Washington, D.C. That's right. That is from the movie Clue. That's right. I can quote the whole thing I just quoted and nothing more. Uh, thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Uh, we're now at the end of this week's episode of Guide to the Unknown. We hope you had a good time. If you yeah. need more Guide to the Unknown, make sure you're following at GTTUPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to keep up to date with every time that we're releasing a new show. As mentioned at the top of the show, a brand new episode of the Netherworld Dispatch just came out this week. So if you go to patreon.com slash slash GTTUPod and back us on the Netherworld Warrior level starting at $4 a month. You can get access to that show, digging into our spooky past, and a ton of other shows that are up there just waiting for you. You can also go to tpublic.com slash, G, uh, slash user slash pod to get Guide to the Unknown merchandise, which, once again, Kristen? Yep, it's all of the proceeds that we receive are going to go to dine11.org, which hooks up hospital workers with takeout restaurant food. So it's supporting the restaurant industry and giving hospital workers yummy food. Yeah, so go do that right now. Link in the show notes. Um, You can also follow Kristen and myself online individually. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram and Twitter. And I am the Myth Traveler. I also want to say that you can join our Facebook Secret Society group by going to facebook.com slash groups slash pod to talk back with us and other people who watch and listen to this show. There are a lot of really fun conversations happening in that group, and it's been more active now than ever before. Um, yeah. We've been approving more people coming in daily. And so uh, definitely stop in, say hi, share your your own horror interests with other people, or talk about whatever the hell you want, really. Yeah, um, totally. And last thing, we would super appreciate it if you left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, you know what? Actually, about that, I thought for a while that we weren't getting new reviews anymore, but it turns out that Apple was like changing their system over, and now they've they've got it all updated and everything is available once again which means that I can read new reviews to you. They've been there. They just haven't been showing them to me. So here's a new review that we got from KYAP7590 titled Love It. 
Kristen and Will are so hilarious, and I love listening to their banter back and forth while also learning about all things spooky and weird, single-handedly getting me through this quarantine. Thanks, guys. Uh, well, thank you. We hope that yeah. you are all doing well. Uh, we love hearing from all of you, so please feel free to reach out. Send us topics that we could cover on future episodes of the show. Tell us your paranormal experiences, and they could become part of a future Listener Stories episode. And, uh, yeah, just thank you. Just thank you all yes. once again. Thank you, thank you. So we will be back next week for more spooky stories and giggling gusses. That was terrible. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. All right, Joe Hollywood. Hey, how'd you know my nickname? (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Because I'm the one who made it up. Oh, that makes sense.